0: South Bay Seaside Lagoon Church. Definitely uh, one of my uh, more favorite settings to have church in. Uh, I don't know about you, I like the preaching attire today. <laughs> it's not too often I get to uh, break out the shorts on a Sunday. But uh, I do want to start out by thanking all the brothers and sisters that helped with the setup today. Uh, a little bit above and beyond. It was uh, really interesting kind of putting the screen together earlier and getting that hoisted uh, for our movie a little bit later on today. But, uh, you know, it's just awesome to be able to come together as family. Uh, Guys, listen to you guys sing. I know God's very pleased this afternoon. And coming together for church, guys, it's very commendable. You obviously love God, want to worship God, want to learn about God, want to become closer to God. And uh, I know it really makes me excited about just being here today and having the opportunity to speak a little bit. Uh, before we get going, though, let's go ahead and uh, bow our heads and go to the Father in prayer. Well, Father, uh, I want to thank you for the way that you watch over us, uh, the incredible afternoon we've been blessed with so far. Uh, knowing that it was raining in the prediction, uh, glad that that hasn't happened yet. And I, I'm sure uh, we'll get spared, and even if it does come down, it'll probably be mild in comparison to what goes on in some other places in the, in the country. But, Father, thank you for uh, the way you love us. Thank you for the sacrifice of your Son Uh, to give us the opportunity to have life to the full, and knowing that our series this month has been about freedom, knowing that, Father, in you, because of your love for us, we truly have freedom in Christ. God, uh, I pray that you're with every aspect of the service today. Uh, With the water out there in the back, we uh, managed to alleviate any injuries here this evening, and that we just have a great time together as family, uh, eating together, breaking bread together, praying together, singing together, having fun together. And uh, a little bit later tonight, watching a movie. Father, we love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, as many of you know, our series this month has been on freedom. Uh, It started out with Martin Chavez uh, at the beginning of the month doing a message on the price of freedom. And one of the things that he explained to us through that was there really is no freedom without the shedding of blood. And, And knowing through Christ the freedom that we have to enter into a relationship with God, being clothed in Christ with the waters of baptism, took place because of the blood that Jesus was so freely willing to shed for each and every one of us. Uh, Brian, last week, went after Chosen for Freedom. Today I'm going to be talking about Breaking Free. Next week, uh, Jay, I believe, in our singles. Our singles are hosting our service next week, which is awesome. And he'll, the title of his message be Proclaiming Freedom. But, you know, when it comes to breaking free, just kind of thinking through that, when it comes to true freedom, how is that something we actually go about acquiring? And I know for me, and just kind of thinking through that, well, when it comes to freedom in this day and age, what does that really mean? What does that look like? And I know as a a young kid, it was definitely a topic that had me a little perplexed. Now, uh, Webster defines it as the absence of necessity, coercion, constraint, in choice or in action. It also goes on to say liberation from slavery or restraint or from power, the power of another, independence. You know, we know that this what this country was founded on over a few hundred years ago. Uh, the, the restraint in light of what was going on over in England, people rebelled against that. They wanted to be able to have the say, to be able to kind of determine their futures as they move forward. And it was kind of interesting. I looked at a, uh, it's entitled The Student Dictionary. Kind of like their definition a little bit better. It's a little bit simpler. The state of being free, liberty, independence, the ability to move or act freely, the state of being released from something usually unpleasant. Some of you obviously can relate to that. You know, as a kid, when it comes to freedom, it's really not a big deal, right? Not getting a whole lot of agreement from uh, over here on my right. You know, when you're thinking through that again, freedom from what? Well, you know, it's not a big deal unless you're a kid. Uh, I know for me as a, you know, child growing on up, you know, thinking to myself, I wonder what, what life would look like without chores. <laughs> or I wonder what life would look like without homework. Well, awesome. You know, uh, th- those limitations on what it is we can eat or how much we could eat. Yeah, you know, yeah. you know, why is it no. I get one scoop of ice cream when I would really like the whole half gallon. You know, uh, I remember those limitations. Some of you will find this interesting. My parents were pretty strict, uh, but I remember uh, there were a couple of nights growing up that I got a little bit of leeway. Uh, when I was in first grade, second grade, you know, Wednesday nights was Batman. And uh, it came on at 8 o'clock. I believe it was a half an hour show. So I actually got to stay up to 8.30 on Wednesday nights. And then a few, few. Uh, yes, Adam West. I, I know most of you are like, Adam who? <laughs> no, it wasn't Michael Keaton. It wasn't Val Kilmer. It wasn't Christopher, uh, Christian Bale. Christian Bale my, my favorite, actually. The real Batman. <laughs> the real Batman. <laughs> and, you know, and then, a little bit later on, it was Star Trek. I, I, that came on around 8, 8.30 at night. I got to stay up to 9 o'clock to watch Star Trek. But you know, and some of you, maybe it's when you sit down to the dinner table. It's like, man, I hate vegetables. I, I remember helping to gag down some nasty stuff as a kid, man. I hate lima beans. Okay, let me just say it. There- there's not too much I won't eat. And then the other thing, and some people, some of you, going to look at me cross-eyed on this. I hate beets. What? What? What is? What is up with beets? <laughs> I know, to each his own. We all all have our issues. We all have our likes and dislikes. Now, teens, what about this? Um, You know, I mean, can you guys relate to the chore thing? (laughs) That means means one of three things. Either he's being deceitful, (laughs) or he, he really enjoys doing chores. And I'll let you figure out the third one. Now, you know, most of you got how many of you teens have got cell phones? How many of you have had cell phones taken away? <laughs> <laughs> you know, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be awesome to have a cell phone, to be able to text as many times as you want it without any implications? Or to ha- call as many times as you want without any issues? You know, it's funny, you hear this from parents from time to time. Man, I got my, my kid's cell phone bill. And they had 10,332 texts in one month. How, how do you accomplish that? You know, teens, wouldn't it be awesome not to have curfews? Okay, now, now I think there's some serious deceit going on over here. We're where our teen leader. You guys got some serious conversations you need to have a little bit later today. Well, how does, how does freedom apply when it comes to being single? You know, what are some of the things that that our singles deal with? And I I asked, I came up with a few on my own, and I got agreement with, and then there were a few others that were suggested, but, you know, pressure to find Mr. or Mrs. Right. The pressure to get married. Pressure to have kids. You know, those parents want those grandkids, right? You know, pressures we have in the workplace. Uh, Single women, just this, this need to be perfect. You know, in light of what goes on in the media, you know, the right clothes, the right makeup, you know, the right outer appearance, body type. You know, we got all the diets and exercise and all the craziness that goes on to try and achieve what the media tells us is perfect. Now, you know, for uh, those newlyweds, some of you uh, stepping into that for the first time are realizing, oh, my gosh, there's somebody else I got an answer to. I mean, i got to be home at a certain time. I thought I gave that up when I was a teen. Uh, those of you that have had kids, you know, the, the, those, those, those new parents, all of a sudden it's just not about you and your husband. There's this little mouth that does a little bit of squawking from time to time. Feed me, change me, hold me, love me. Do something for me. Yeah, well, there you go. It's, you know, do everything for me. Uh, for the more mature, the empty, empty nesters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's not true, bro. But it's wrapped in bacon, we know you eat it. Uh, for me, it's kind. For me, it's kind of remembering. Okay, I'm an empty nester. What does that mean? You know, that memory thing from time to time. But, uh, <laughs> okay, you keep it down. For those of you that are visiting with us, this woman making the noise up here in the front, this is my wife, Jacqueline. But, you know, in a lot of ways, when I look back at my life, freedom seemed to always be something within reach, but I always ended up coming short and being disappointed. You know, whether it's freedom from chores, freedom from the, you know, the money that came with that first job, freedom that came with the first car, a freedom of the First Department. You know, each new chapter, and you achieve it, and you think, man, this is going to be awesome. You know, I remember the, my first car. It was a 67 El Camino, 396 Turbojet, tur- Turbo 400 Tranny. Had the engine modified, blueprinted. You could hand turn the cam. Front end would come up off the ground when you punched it. And I remember after spending all this money and time restoring it, it's sitting in the front of my house, and a drunk driver in the middle of the night, I wake up to. <laughs> And I go out front, and the whole left side of the car is destroyed. So, you know, each one of these aspects of life, you think there's going to be this, you know, it's just, you're going to be unleashed. It's going to be awesome. It seemed like there was always something. You know, I can imagine that, you know, we may have all felt this way at some point in time in our lives. Maybe some of you still feel this way. You know, instead of enjoying freedom, feeling enslaved, hopeless, Trapped in a bad relationship, slave to a job, money, bills, debt, drugs, anger, fear, alcohol, porn, mediocrity. You know, sometimes it seems like Groundhog Day. For those of you that don't know what it is, you can rent it somewhere. It's a pretty interesting comedy that Bill Murray's in. But just each day waking up over and over and over again, thinking you're going to break out, it's going to be different, and things never change. And ultimately, we shouldn't be surprised at this. You know, where do we live? We live in L.A., which, I mean, you know, this is pretty darn phenomenal. But you think of what we're hit with, the onslaught that we get every day through the media, our coworkers, um, just individuals that maybe have yet to really know what it means to have the freedom that comes through Christ. And, you know, Martine talked about this a ways back, and then it started in the garden with Adam and Eve. Satan's kind of slipping in there. God didn't really say that, did he? And how that just, it's something that we have, it's ongoing in our lives when it comes to the different things that take place. And we shouldn't be surprised. This is Satan's realm. This is Satan's playground. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4 reads, Satan, who is the god of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. And, you know, you you think about it. Some of the different things we've already discussed today. Satan can do an incredible job of choking things out. He's good with the half-truths, convincing us that, you know, it's it's the next girlfriend, it's the next job, it's the next car, it's the next whatever. And you're going to have freedom. But the reality of it is we become more and more enslaved as we buy into that deceit and the lies that he's so good at. I think just really understanding that it's possible we don't even know what true freedom looks like. As we saw in this passage, Satan blinds us to the truth. And the reason for that is he knows where true freedom comes from. That's the last thing that he wants us to embrace. It's the last thing that he wants us to see. You know, I was blind and enslaved until I was 32 years old. I was adopted, raised in a major denominational family, uh, after I was adopted, I guess it took the pressure off. My parents weren't able to have kids prior to that, but after they adopted me, they had three in a row. Wow. Three brothers. Yep. And, you know, in, in, in our family, I remember at the age of five, that's seemingly when things really started to go south. Uh, we were family that there was a little bit of physical interaction with, but because of some of the things that my dad adhered to because of the faith that he was involved in, the relationship that he had with my mom, from a physical standpoint, stopped, ceased to exist. I remember a delineation between being taken in the bedroom, put in bed, tucked in, being kissed goodnight, night, to just being told to go to bed, and that degree of interaction ceasing. You know, and I think with that, there was a lot of verbal abuse. There was a lot of physical abuse growing up. And I learned at a very early age how to disengage emotionally. And that was my means of avoiding being hurt. And I think ultimately through that, I became very afraid of relationships because of the hurt that came through them. But at the same time, I had this incredible fear of being alone, fear of dying alone, fear of dying unloved. I was a virgin until I was 22, and part of that was because I really took the value in not wanting to be involved on that level with someone until I was married to them. I mean, there were certain values that were instilled but at the same time, there was a definitely a, a major degree of social ineptness on my part, which was part of the reason that it didn't happen until then. And you know, and just looking at how things just started to fall apart from that point forward, you know, I started working out, and I think in a lot of ways that was my means of dealing with my insecurity. Uh, I really fell into the mentality that bigger was better. I mean, that was a means of me. In a lot of ways, I think it was a matter of just kind of pushing the boundaries out further, building additional walls as as a means of protection, but really hiding behind that accomplishment. Fell in love with this incredible woman here, and some of the things that I, I never honestly thought would take place in my marriage did. Two years in, we were separated. Through that separation, I committed adultery. And, you know, getting back together, it just wasn't the same. I, I remember a lot of the things that I felt like we had started to achieve along the way had, had disappeared. And that freedom, that was that nagging freedom that I, I wanted From a standpoint of fulfillment that, you you know, you kind of, everybody tells you and everything promises you will take place. If you buy this, that, or the other, you have this job, you live in this neighborhood, kids go to this school, it just didn't, it didn't fill that void. And I think it was even more, it was even stronger at that point, just that constant fear of losing everything, but not knowing what to do to change things moving forward. You know, what would make that emptiness go away? i thought that my kids would make it better and in some ways i think god kind of used that to start working on my heart i remember when my son was first born the impact that that had him being my first biological relative and i mean i wept i just remember walking into the uh, out of the delivery room which where everybody was waiting and you know everybody's want to know is he healthy is he okay and you know i just remember he's a boy and he's awesome and just you know just the tears just just Lost it. and it, Honestly, up to that point in time, that's the first time there had been any form of emo- emotional break in my life from the, t- the time of 12 years old to the, the age of when my son was born. And thinking again, that was going to make it better. And, you know, you just start slipping. A lot of the things that I experienced as a kid started creeping into my relationship with him. The verbal abuse, the lack of patience. Uh, starting to step into that area where there was even physical abuse that he was subjected to. And then my daughter came along, and it was like, okay, this is it. I, I've, I've got the little girl. This is going to totally work on my heart. This is going to totally take me to where I need to be. And, you know, it, she's awesome to this day. I love my little girl. Uh, not so little anymore. I, I still call her dinks, but she's uh, 24, 25. She's had her 25th birthday, which crazy. I can't believe that. But being able to go out in public with her, arm in arm, hold her hand, her sit in my lap, I mean, call me daddy. I mean, those things make such—they're so huge. But again, even during that period of time, it just wasn't—it wasn't taking care of things. It wasn't filling that void. And I remember things started to seem to move in the right direction. We were blessed with some incredible jobs and bought a brand new uh, home up in Chino Hills. And you know, through all that, again, just that—that that emptiness that came out of it. And thank God. In 1990, he put Bruce and Nora Teague in our lives. We were at a yard sale selling some stuff from our old house, and they came up, met us, invited us out to church. I had absolutely no interest. If it had been in a setting like this, I might have gone, I don't know. But the whole church scene didn't really uh, appeal to me a whole lot. And I was agnostic up until that period of time. From, again, the age that I was confirmed to the, the point in time that we were met, I just didn't see really a place for God or religion in my life. But the thing that was awesome is with the relationship they developed with us and the love that they showed us and some of the things that were starting to be shared with us through the Scriptures, I realized, you know, the freedom I was looking for was in the wrong place. And this is where it was going to be. Through God's Word, the freedom from my past, breaking the chains of my past would come to place. And it was because of the demonstration of love that I saw that they had for each other, that they had for their child, the degree of communication they had. They were actually working together together to try and accomplish the same thing. And, uh, you know, many of you know Jackie and I, were kind of competitive. Imagine that without Christ. I mean, you know, there was, comp- there was the competition in the workplace, just on so many different fronts, you know. I mean, it wasn't stated, but this, this trying to kind of outdo each other, take things to another level. And I think, you know, the, the marriage was really just kind of a working relationship. It was a matter of seeing who could throw the most money into the bank account and really just how shallow that was. And even through this time, I realized one of the greatest needs that I needed to overcome was my anger, which has really taken me years, even in the kingdom, to realize where that was rooted in it. As a Christian, being able to look to scriptures and others' lives and discipling, which for those of you that are with us here, maybe for the first time, having people in your life that are willing to share God's truth with you when there's negative interaction that's taking place, someone that's willing to talk to you about it, someone that's willing to open the Bible, someone that's willing to mediate. Which I still need in this day and age from time to time, you know we got with uh, Pat and uh, Scott Achia here earlier in the week, and we were talking about some different things and uh, there was definitely some negative interaction between Jackie and I. You know we have very strong opinions. I know that comes as a major shock to most of you. <laughs> and you know we, we asked we asked Pat and Scott what they thought about what was going on, and they you know I don't know that they were super excited about being put into that position initially, but they shared very openly with us about their observations and, you know, where the breakdown of communication came from and how I could respond differently not respond quite so harsh and the things that, that Jackie had stated that could have been said in another way. And just, that's what I love about God's church is that it's not just about us individually trying to figure it out, but there are these relationships where people are willing to speak the truth in love to help us get to the next level to grow and mature in our relationships with each other and with God. You know, I remember reading through the Bible a couple of times when I was agnostic, but chalking some of it up to being kind of cool stories, others, other other books kind of a waste of time, and not really understanding what was going on with it. But that's where Bruce Teague really helped me, walking me through things, showing me the application. And I was blown away for the first time by what Jesus had been willing to do for me personally, and ultimately that I didn't have to be perfect or faultless for him to associate with me. I think with a lot of my insecurities, I just couldn't see how why God would want to have anything to do with me, why Jesus would want to have anything to do with me. And that was one of the harder things for me to overcome was my lack of self-esteem. Even to this day, it can slip in there whether or not people are willing to accept me or not. And there are times today where Satan distracts me, and I revert back to that scared 99-pound weakling, you know, that non-athletic kid that I was in high school, you know, being pushed around, being beat up on, and with that... With that, the, the Bible held out hope for me for the first time that I could let go of my past and all my shortcomings and who I was and that God could care less about any of that. That I, I was chosen by Him from the get-go. He's always loved me. He will always love me. And being able to derive some consolance out of that, being able to start to to build up that self-esteem where I do not it doesn't matter to me how anybody else feels, but I know that God loves me. God is pleased with me. And with that... On December 3rd of 1990, Jackie and I started studying the Bible. On December 10th of 1990, I was baptized into Christ. and I was able to turn and baptize her into Christ as well. I think for me today, the thing that I'm most grateful for is the knowledge that I have that Jesus Christ is my friend. That he loves me today. And if he were picking teams, I wouldn't have to worry about being the last one picked. He doesn't care about my looks. He doesn't care about my size. He doesn't care about my smarts or my lack thereof. He doesn't care about what I do for a living. He doesn't care about the size of my bank account. He doesn't care about any of those things. But what he did care about was putting someone in front of me that could come into my life and show me that the freedom that I was looking for was in Jesus Christ. Then, every bit as much so as it is today, You know, it's one of the things I love about the Bible. The Bible teaches us where true freedom comes from. And in Colossians 2, verse 20, it reads, It says, you have died with Christ, and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. In light of what we looked at earlier, what does that set us free from? Whose world is this? Who does it belong to? It's Satan's. But through Christ, we have the power to overcome all that. We have the power to take a stand. We're given the ability to overcome that. Romans 6, verse 1, it says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If you've been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For you know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But he lives the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. You know, we know in Romans six twenty three it says the wages of sin are death, and it's so encouraging to me to know that Jesus didn't have to pay that price. Because he was sinless. But it also demonstrates the freedom that God has and that God was willing to take so that we could be ushered into his kingdom. The way that he feels about us. God's freedom is the thing today that continues to give me confidence that God cares for me. He cares for you. He cares for his creation. And it didn't end in those waters of baptism for me. God is interested in me and God is interested in us today and he takes an active, positive role in the affairs of our daily lives. You know, when we think about Romans 6, and what God was willing to do for us, just look at what God did with His freedom. You know, you look at all the gods through history. When it came to humankind, what were we all about? You know, they played with us. They toyed with us. We were, we were game pieces for them. They could have cared less about us. But God took the freedom that He had, and He gave it to us. He was willing to give up his freedom, what he had in heaven, to come down to earth, to take on these frail bodies that we live in, and not just live in it, but die in it as well. So that through his death, we would have true freedom, not just now in the lives that we currently live, but freedom for eternity to spend time with our loved ones and him in heaven. Amen? You know, as Christians, we wear the name of the one who set us free. Christ sets us free, and continuing in in that word, the Bible, that we've been given, that leads to liberty and knowing the truth. John 8.32 talks about how the truth is the thing that sets us free, and ultimately, what truth is Jesus referring to? Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and salvation is found in Him and in Him alone. He is the one that has set us free. And again, you know, some of you may be thinking, well, you know, I don't know that I'm really enslaved. It's kind of interesting. The Jews felt that way. You know, when Jesus talked about the slavery they'd been in, there was absolutely zero acknowledgement. We've never been slaves. What the heck was going on in Egypt? You know, at any time a warring tribe would come through, whether it was the Assyrians or the Babylonians, what was taking place? They were enslaved. And that was really a foreshadowing of what we have today in the world that we live in. There's always something out there that Satan can use to enslave us. But that acknowledgement and understanding who Christ is gives us the ability to respond to the Word and have the freedom that God talks about. You may be thinking, free from what? Well, number one, free from Satan's power and deception. And that may be the biggest road for some of you today. Again, you may be feeling like, man, life's great. I've got it going on. You know, and, and it may be. That's the case with where you're at right now. But what about tomorrow? What about next year? What about 10 years from now? Are we promised anything on a daily basis? I mean, some of you follow the stock market pretty close. What's going on there the last 10, 15 years? I mean, even recently, I mean, there's been some great jumps that it's taken, but on a day-to-day basis, that thing can swing a good 500 points. You know, if you're watching that real close, you might be a little stressed about what that's doing to what you've got invested. But we we really don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. It may be a matter of being free from fear, I know I'm fired up about that. I'm never going to be alone again. i got the Holy Spirit residing with within me 24-7. And knowing that, knowing that I will never be alone again, that at baptism we're filled with the Holy Spirit, and God's very clear, He will never forsake us. You know Hebrews 13, verse 5, it says, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. That's the kind of God that we've been blessed with. You know, it may be a matter of being free from self. Sometimes our desires can be our biggest challenges. I know that's how it's been with me through the years. But understanding that the saving power of Christ can transform us into a new creation. Christ frees us to be what God wants us to be and to trust and to serve him. You know, free from the sentiments of the world. The Lord can free us from being enslaved to what others say or think. You know, for years growing up, I was told exactly how my life was going to turn out and what I would not be able to accomplish and who ultimately I was going to be. And it was wrong. It was dead wrong. But that, that enslaved me for years. And again, I'm so f- grateful for what God has blessed me with, the people that he has put in my life, the individuals who are willing to invite me to share with me the good news about freedom that they had, Otherwise, I would still be enslaved by those things that I heard growing up as a kid. And then finally, free from sin's power and eternal penalty. You know, what does sin do? It controls our cravings. It dominates our desires. It masters our motives. And men and women without Christ are in spiritual bondness to bondage to a sinful desire. You know, look at this whole thing with Cory Monte from Glee. Most of you guys familiar with him? 31 years old. He had everything. Beautiful girlfriend, credible job, making more money than he knew what to do with. But he was enslaved to drugs. I mean, it's, to me, it's just so incredibly sad that in April, he knew he had issues. He knew he had challenges. He was open about what was going on. He checked himself into rehab. But I guarantee you, the one thing that he didn't have is what we have the ability to embrace with Christ. If he had, there would have been people in his life that potentially would have been able to make a difference there. He died alone in a hotel room, 31 years old. You know, I think this is something that, for those of us that are young, we've got to really take heart and pay attention to. We're not promised tomorrow. I mean, there are teams that die every day, whether it's sickness, car accidents. It's something that applies to all of us. Uh, you know, I've been blown away just at the age of 50 now, how many 50-year-olds I'm hearing about. Former classmates situations in the news it happens. We're not immortal But through Christ we have that freedom to live an immortal life for eternity with him if we're willing to surrender and see our need for God You know we're responsible we need to choose the Lord true freedom or die enslaved to our sins And our problem isn't the inability to seek the Lord, but I think ultimately what it can get down to as it was for me uh, There were opportunities prior to the age of 32 but I think what it ultimately gets down to is our willingness to turn from our wants, our passions, and what we think is best for us. God doesn't want to save just to select for you. He wants all men and women to be saved, to be free from the power and the penalty of eternal sin. So imagine with me for a minute here, if you would, what would what the world would look like if we all broke free of Satan's grasp and were no longer blinded, as we saw in 2 Corinthians uh, 4, verse 4, to the good news. If everyone had the opportunity to see the glorious light of the good news, if everyone had the understanding of the message and the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God, what would the world look like today? What would the news look like today? You know, would we have the conflict in the Middle East? Would we have what's going on over in Egypt? Would we have the very things that are taking place in our own streets? You know, how many of us totally feel free walking around late at night and thinking through that? Freedom from prejudice, everyone being free of fear, envy, hatred, jealousy, worry, danger, punishment. And really understanding the scriptures weren't given just to make our individual lives better, but they were given so that as a body, we can shine like a beacon of hope to our communities, our neighborhoods, our schools, our marketplace. And really make a difference, the difference that God has called us to. If you want to be free, you need to hang on to the word freedom. Not sure what that looks like or what the Bible has to say about it. What I want to encourage you to do is ask the person that you're with here today to share their own personal story with you. You heard mine, we all have them. And for those of us that have surrendered to Christ, have entered the waters of baptism, and had our sins forgiven, received the gift of the Holy Spirit, There's a transformation that took place. There's a story that we all have to share. So let's take the opportunity as we close out our evening here, our movie. uh, We're getting dark enough. We'll be able to get that up and going here. And fortunately for you, I can't see my notes anymore, so I'm done. But with that, let's go ahead and bow our heads and go to the Father in prayer. I'm just kidding. I was actually done. Father God, I just, again, want to thank you for tonight. Uh, the way that you've blessed us, uh, being able to meet here in this incredible place with our friends and family members. Uh, Most importantly, though, God, I want to thank you and really express my gratitude for what took place 2,000 years ago in Calvary, that you were willing to give up a freedom that you had no reason or responsibility to give up, but, God, that you saw the need to come down to meet our needs, that you wanted a relationship with us, that you want every single man and woman that's ever walked the face of this planet, to have a relationship with you and be free from eternal punishment, but to be able to rejoice in you, with you, in heaven forever. Father, I pray that we, we can always remember that. We can, we can drive incredible solace from that, uh, that we can wake up each morning knowing that we don't deserve another day of life, but that you've granted that to us, and that with that we can rejoice and bring hope to others that have yet to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Father, in a special way, I want to pray for Edwina, who just recently lost her father. I do want to pray for uh, Jacqueline's friend, Sonia, and her husband, Andy, who uh, is just having some serious issues trying to recover from a surgery he was in. Uh, be with Edwina. Just help her and her family. Be with Andy and the doctors that are involved with him. Help him to speed speedy recovery. And for other, any other people that may be ailing, any other health issues that may be taking place, Father, be with those families. Be there to encourage them. Father, more than anything, again, we thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ that you gave so freely to us to give us true freedom. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.